This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hi, this is Seth. Before we get started, just wanted to let you know there are some cuss words in this episode, so please be advised. President Trump held a special event in the White House Rose Garden in July. Well, thank you very much, please. Great honor to be with you. The occasion was an executive order, creating something called the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative. Very exciting. Very exciting. During the ceremony, the president announced the appointment of several politicians and business leaders to a committee tasked with, quote, improving Hispanic Americans' access to educational and economic opportunity. And freedom for our nations, really, it's a treasure. You are a treasure. The Hispanic Americans and the Hispanic American community is a treasure. Thank you. Among these designated luminaries was Bob Unanue. Thank you very much, Kat. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Good afternoon, everyone. It's such an honor and such a blessing to be here in the greatest country in the world, the most prosperous country in the world, and we continue to grow. Bob is the here. third generation of Unanaways to helm Goya Foods, a family-owned brand that sells things like beans, rice, sauces, and seasonings. Unanue mostly used his White House speech to announce that he was donating a million cans of Goya chickpeas to various food banks around the country. But midway through his remarks, he raised his hand and gestured toward the president, and he took the opportunity to toss in this fateful aside. Today, it gives me great uh, honor. And by the way, uh, we're all truly blessed at the same time to have a leader like President Trump, who is a builder. And that's what my grandfather did. He came to this country to build, to grow, to prosper. And so we have an incredible builder, and we pray. We pray for our leadership, our president, and we pray for our country that we will continue to prosper and and to grow. It was just a brief detour amid a snooze of a speech that would otherwise have gotten no media attention. But it set off a firestorm. By the next day, CNN was reporting on it as a developing story. A big backlash today, a campaign to boycott Goya Foods after their CEO praised the president. Some prominent Democrats getting in on the campaign, Julian Castro, quote, Americans should think twice before buying their products. And then this from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, look, it's the sound of me Googling how to make your own adobo. That CNN segment also featured commentator Ana Navarro, who's accused Bob Unanue of, quote, acting as a prop for a guy who puts brown children in cages. I think Goya is a great family immigrant story. I've known them to be good corporate citizens, but this really strikes at a wound. This is pouring salt into the wound of a Latino community that is his consumer base, that is most of his customers. What happens when a CEO endangers his own brand? As it faces backlash and boycotts, can this family-held company keep things in the family? Or were those Rose Garden remarks enough to lose Babu Nanwe the job he was born into?
Seth Stevenson. Welcome to Thrilling Tales of Modern Capitalism. Today on the show, a man for all sesones, Bob Unanue and the future of Goya Foods. Our company was founded in 1936 by my grandfather, who left Spain at only 18 years old, did not know where he was heading, but he was heading and looking for opportunity and prosperity, and he found it in this great country. In the non-controversial portion of his White House speech, Babu Nanawe recounted the origin story of Goya Foods. Bob's grandfather, Prudencio Unanue, emigrated first to Puerto Rico and then on to New York City, where he opened a store in Lower Manhattan. He sold things like olive oil and sardines, mostly to fellow Spanish immigrants. He called his store Goya. It's a name he bought off a Moroccan sardine supplier who was willing to let it go for $1. He chose it in part because he liked the association with the Spanish painter Francisco de Goya, and in part because he was afraid that Unanue was too hard to pronounce. Goya's sales blossomed as waves of Spanish-speaking immigrants from other parts of the world started arriving in New York. As the business picked up, Goya abandoned its early foothold in Manhattan and moved first to Brooklyn in the 1950s and then out to New Jersey, where in 1974 it opened a large headquarters and warehouse. Prudencio Nanaway died in 1976, and control of Goya shifted to his son, Joseph. By the 1980s, under Joseph's direction, Goya was running some ads that sounded like this one from Goya, Puerto Rico. Este es un supermercado Goya, variedad completa. Donde las que compramos exigimos calidad. Y esta calidad no varía. Su excelencia es la salsa de más venta. Compruebe sabor con el adobo. De gandules nadie sabe más que Goya. Y aseguro con sazón todo en la olla. Si Goya, tiene que ser bueno. But it was also running some ads that sounded like this. I want to teach you a new word from Goya. Sazon. Sazon. A marvel Sazon. It makes your everyday dishes suddenly terrific. Not different, just terrific. You don't even change the recipe. Sazon Goya. Oh, boy. That's Jewish-American Broadway actress Zora Lambert teaching viewers a brand new Spanish word and promising that an exotic spice won't make their dishes different and won't require them to change any recipes. This was Goya's two-track strategy. Keep on serving the growing Latino market, but also run English-language ads to reach new customers. The strategy worked, decade after decade. By the late 1990s, Goya had 2,000 employees with $700 million a year in sales. Goya now has 4,000 employees with sales of $1.5 billion a year. Lydia DePillis is a reporter who visited Goya's headquarters in Secaucus, New Jersey, a few years back, when she profiled the company for The Washington Post. I wanted to know what was the conscious marketing strategy behind a brand that had become so ubiquitous and so many things to so many people, right? Because you don't just do that by accident. By the time Lydia visited, Babu Nanawe had taken over as CEO from his uncle Joseph, who died in 2013. The Unanaways told Lydia that they credit Goya's success to its authenticity. As a company founded by an immigrant, catering to immigrants, it can speak to its core customer base with a sense of empathy. What Goya would say is that we are not a white company trying to mimic your ethnic 
recipes and the tastes that feel like home. We are you. We understand you. And and this is a brand that you can trust. Goya works hard to maintain that emotional connection, even as it's expanded to reach a more diverse set of customers, with hundreds of products now tailored to fit the nuances of many different national cuisines. And they know a lot about the micro demographics, honestly, of the places where they're stocking their products. Goya sells in tiny bodegas, small supermarkets, all the way up to mega-sized suburban grocery stores. But it knows which customers shop where. So it can stock ingredients that appeal to Peruvian Americans in one spot and Salvadoran Americans in another and Dominican Americans in a third. So it's that kind of granular understanding that I think has really helped them grow. And I think also what has helped them gain traction among white yuppies, because white yuppies go into these stores and say like, oh, they're micro-targeting to this population. This seems to be the product that people who know what they're doing actually buy. There's that two-track strategy, still in evidence. Micro-target the core customer who feels seen, and by doing that, maybe attract some non-Spanish-speaking foodies who are searching for what they perceive to be authentic ingredients. But being able to stock each individual store with a unique, carefully chosen mix of products requires a business model that's rare in the food industry. Lots of food companies outsource things, like warehousing and distribution. It's specialization. They just make the food. They let someone else drive it to the stores. But Goya is vertically integrated. It manufactures, warehouses, and distributes all its own products. Here's Babu Nanawe describing the process on CNBC earlier this year. We do DSD, direct store delivery, where we're uh, ordering today, loading tonight, and delivering tomorrow, door to door. The advantage to the direct store delivery approach is that Goya keeps a lot of control. This is how it exploits its deep knowledge of the gustatory preferences of dozens of different communities. Goya employees place products directly on shelves in individual stores, where they learn from the owners what's selling and what isn't. But there are drawbacks, too. Outsourcing all this stuff would be a lot cheaper and in some ways more efficient. There are people inside and outside the company who think Goya is crazy to keep everything in-house. And here, strangely, is where Babu Nanoe's Rose Garden comments about President Trump enter the picture. Because those comments are all tied up with the fate of Goya, its business model, and the Unanaway's fight over control of their own company. There's a power battle within the family. More on that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. In the past year, there have been two separate attempts to buy Goya Foods away from Bob Unanaway and his family. Josh Kosman is the mergers reporter for the New York Post. 
He reported on both buyout efforts, and he thinks they both boil down to one thing. Wall Street would say you don't run a company like the way Bob has run Goya. On Bob Unanaway's watch, Goya's done okay. But there are Wall Street types who think it could grow much faster. They'd like to buy the company and maybe take it public. They'd tell small-time Bob and his family to hit the road. And then, like Wall Street types usually do, they'd bring in some new bean counters, if you will, who could cut costs, probably lay off workers, goose the profits, and expand internationally. The first bid to buy Goya came last fall from the Carlyle Group. Carlyle's one of the biggest private equity firms in the world, and Carlyle was looking to buy about 70% of Goya. That would have meant Bob loses his job. They did not want Bob running the company. A buyout would make the Unanaways even richer than they are now. But after waffling for a while, Goya killed the sale, according to Josh's sources, because a faction of the family, and in particular Bob, wasn't ready to give up day-to-day control. A second buyout effort came just this summer from an investment bank called BDT Capital Partners. Again, a buyout would have removed Bob Unanaway from his role as CEO of Goya. The many members of the extended Unanaway family took a vote, and they tentatively approved a sale that would bring them a huge windfall. Then Bob, who was already invited to the White House, surprises everybody and makes his public announcement in the Rose Garden, you know, we are so lucky to have President Trump. People who I've spoken to who have direct knowledge of the situation think Bob is not an idiot. Bob knew when he said that it was going to cause a kerfuffle. So he was doing it essentially to shake things up, possibly to save his job. And it kind of worked. It worked, according to Josh's sources, because it put the future of Goya in doubt. With one seemingly off-the-cuff remark, Unanue made the brand toxic to some of its most loyal customers. And sure enough, the deal fell through. Does a controversy like this make it easier or harder to sell the company? Harder, for sure, because now you can't predict what'll happen. Do you necessarily, as a buyer, want to be associated with a brand that is hated? You might not want to be associated with a brand like that. I would imagine five years from today, however Goya does, we're going to remember this moment that Bob praised the president. And Goya, to a degree, will be, you know, identified with that. So in this scenario, Bob Unanue is willing to put in peril the future earnings of Goya in order to keep his job? Yeah, certainly that's the suspicion. Again, hard to know for sure, but that's the speculation. It's not from outsiders, it's from insiders. What Josh's sources are theorizing is that Bob is attempting a very delicate bank shot. He's betting that he can damage Goya's reputation just enough to kill the sale and save his job and keep the company and family control, but not damage Goya so much that the brand is permanently ruined. It's a wild combination of boardroom politics, family dysfunction, and culture war. Babu is already rich, so he doesn't need the money from a sale. Maybe he's got too much pride to let the company his grandfather founded fall out of the family's hands. Maybe he's got too much ego to give up his own spot at the top of the org chart. Or maybe he just wanted to prove it's his company and he can say whatever he wants. It seems like his feelings for President Trump are, at least in part, genuine. Bob went on Fox not long ago to talk about how pleased he is with the president's pro-business agenda. You know, the president has taken away a lot of the regulations and roadblocks to prosperity. You know, the, the, the function of the government. Some of Bob's motivation might even be selfless. Goya supports a lot of Latino charities and has been a solid corporate citizen in lots of ways. 
letting Goya go to a private equity firm or investment bank might mean less priority on doing those sorts of good deeds. It might also mean lots of layoffs as new investors streamline the operation. By all reports, Bob sees Goya's employees as part of a big family. The thing is, he might have put that family in jeopardy. His White House comments earned Goya an endorsement from President Trump and a couple of Trump children. But it remains to be seen whether the brand will win long-term business from hardcore Trump supporters. Are those folks buying a lot of Cezanne and Adobo? Meanwhile, some of Goya's most reliable customers immediately launched a boycott of the company's products. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It was like always kind of like background music, you know, you just know that that's where you get your ingredients that you need. Um, there wasn't any political stance, you know, that they had. They didn't have any sort of point of view. It was just, hey, this is this is your food. This is your cuisine. This is, you know, we can help you get those flavors. And that's kind of how it always was. Eric Rivera's parents came from Puerto Rico and settled in Washington state where Eric was born. When he was growing up in the 1980s, the only way Eric's family could cook Puerto Rican food was by finding the one supermarket that sold Goya products. Being all the way out here in Seattle, away from Puerto Rico, that was pretty much the only product available. So every product you can think of, from olives to rice to packets of sasson to mojo to you name it, uh, the entire like product line, as much as we could get, uh, I grew up eating that since like day one, even before I even knew what it was. Beans, of course, you know, uh, black beans, pinto beans, pretty much the entire spectrum of beans. <laughs> um, they're olive oil, they're distilled vinegar. I mean, like everything that we could find, honestly. Eric eventually became a chef. In 2017, he opened a restaurant in Seattle called Addo. That's where he spoke to us from. Seattle Magazine called Addo Seattle's most buzzed about dining experience. Eric was a rising culinary star until the COVID pandemic shut down his dining room. He found himself scrambling to save the business. And then he heard about Babu Nanaway's kind words for President Trump. It was very strange. Something that you've grown up with your entire life and it felt like, you know, going, Adam, you, you fucking traitor, you know? <laughs> like, that's what it felt like immediately. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? It's like a punch in the face. When you talk to other people, what kind of things do they say? Um, you know, fuck Goya. That's, <laughs> that's essentially what comes out first. Um, and that's like with my parents and other, you know, Latino people that I know uh, or communicate with or see talking about it. It's, it's pretty much a unified message. I have people <laughs> sending me photos and videos of them throwing Goya Sison in the trash can, lighting them on fire, uh, you know, going to a grocery store and just putting a middle finger to them. Uh, just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you name it. <laughs> It may or may not hurt their bottom line, meaning Goya, but I know there's a lot of people that are going to be permanently affected that never want to buy uh, their product again. People who were swearing off Goya, joining the boycott, began to look around for other places they could buy their cooking ingredients from. And Eric saw an opening. He turned his dormant kitchen into a factory and his empty dining room into a warehouse. He started by making a spice blend, or saison, 
one of Goya's big selling products. How did you come up with your Saison blend? Is it, is it something that's tailored to your taste? The Saison that you can buy from Goya, I didn't, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough. And there's always something that was missing from it. I think they have like eight or nine flavors of it. Things that they put in like saffron, they have a spicy one, they have like one with annatto, they have uh, one with pepper, all these kind of different variables. But I kind of wanted something in the middle, but to also trace back history of how the ingredients got there, meaning like the spices. So having annatto in it for me was important. Um, and having that kind of be more at the forefront of the flavor of my Sison, um, I also wanted it to have that coloring in it. Uh, so you feel it and touch it and smell it. But you can be like, I just cooked Puerto Rican cuisine and you can have that like orangish kind of hand, which is, you know, cool. Because there's a lot of cuisine to me that's very clean and, you know, proper. And I wanted this one to kind of like leave a mark in a bunch of different ways. People started buying it right away and demanding more Goya replacements. I just immediately had people asking if we had, you know, ABCD, EFG ingredients and whatever. And in the span of about 10 hours, we went from a Sison to 23 different products. How did you put out the word? How are people hearing about you? A lot of press has been generated from this. I'm very vocal. <laughs> he also ran online ads targeting potential customers. I mean, there's even like some that have discount codes that say like fuck Trump on them and fuck Goya uh, that give people like 5% off. And, you know, it's just hammering that home. You know, I don't have thousands of employees or anything like that or millions of billions of dollars. I have like $5, but we'll try to make it work. Do you think you can eat into Goya's sales in a way that might actually hurt them? Uh, no, I would need to scale this business up massively in order to really put a dent in what they do. Ideally, that would be a cool, you know, David and Goliath moment, but it took them a long time to scale. He's right. It's taken 84 years for Goya to get where it is today. Its founder, Prudencio Unanue, was an entrepreneur who spotted an opportunity and started small, not unlike Eric Rivera. Now, Goya is headed up by his grandson, Bob Unanue, a man born into a wealthy family in New Jersey, an heir to a business worth four or five billion dollars. It would be hard for Babu Nanawe to argue that he's in touch with the immigrant experience the same way that his grandfather was. It's even harder now that he's praised President Trump. What remains to be seen is whether Goya's customers will take their business elsewhere forever, in a way that hurts Goya's bottom line. Eric Rivera hopes they will, whether or not he's the beneficiary. Maybe if it's not me that ends up being the next Goya, but if there's another brand out there that's small that ends up being that, I think that's great. Are there other kinds of products you, you're hoping to branch into if everything goes well? There's a ton. <laughs> that's always what keeps me up awake at night. It might be some time before we know how all this shakes out. Since Goya is privately held, we can't track its stock price or read its earnings reports to see how it's affected. Boycotts have a mixed track record when it comes to getting results. Consumers have short memories and often fall back into old habits. There are also lots of Latino people who support President Trump. They might be glad Babu Nanawe said what he did. What we do know is that Babu Nanawe's remarks in the Rose Garden created a strange brew of politics, business, and family. Politics and business can be weird, but families are weird on a whole nother level. Goya watchers may be about to find out if blood is thicker than beans. 
That's our show for this week. This episode was produced by Jess Miller with help from Madeline Ducharme, Hannah Klein, Megan Kallstrom, and Asha Saluja. Technical direction from Merritt Jacob. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer of podcasts at Slate. June Thomas is senior managing producer of the Slate Podcast Network. If you'd like to support our show, consider signing up for Slate Plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and it helps us bring you all the great podcasts you get from Slate. Sign up now at slate.com slash thrilling plus. Next week on the show, we revisit the story of an epic company that's back in the news. Oh my gosh, Fortnite, 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 must always have Fortnite, 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 and more Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. That's next week on Thrilling Tales of Modern Capitalism. 